I, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12. This is a long, another long passage uh, in the context that explains what Jesus is doing in this parable, but we're going to talk about hoarding, keeping up, keeping stuff. Have you ever, have you ever noticed you can, you can drive by places and they got like 27 outbuildings and all of them look like they're about to fall in and all of them are full of stuff. I mean, just stuff. You know, they had a show on TV for a while about hoarders and, and literally people couldn't even get in their own homes and, and stuff stacked to the ceiling. I'm just wondering where the snakes and the rats are and all that. I just, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm just not real sure about all those things. And, well, why are you keeping this? Well, because well, when we cleaned out my parents' home, I always told my mom and dad, I said, you will not die of natural causes. You will die from your attic falling in with all the junk that you've put up there that you're going to ask your only child to climb a ladder and get it all out. And so when my dad died, I threw away 30, I mean lawn bags, like leaf bags, 30 bags full of stuff in the first day, the first day. And I'm thinking, why did he keep this stuff? Can I go on record for all of us? Your kids don't want your stuff. <laughs> they don't want it. For the love of Jesus, give it to somebody else. They don't want your stuff. My kids have already told me they don't want any of my stuff. I'm not sure they're coming to my funeral. I'm not, I really don't know. They might come for the reading of the will. Uh, Terry and I have this show that we absolutely love. I mean, we're almost addicted to it. American Pickers. Any of you watch American Pickers? Frank and Mike. I mean, they're dri are driving down in this white van. All right, we're going to find a place today. You know, Danielle calls them. It's on this dirt road that ends on another dirt road that drops off into a creek, and you turn right, and Billy Bob will be there. He knows you're coming. Now, first of all, how Danielle finds these people is beyond me. I don't know if she's a psychic. I don't know what's going on. And then Frank and Mike get out of the truck. They got this piece of paper. All right, man, you know, we're kind of looking for some stuff. We like motorcycles and signs, and we like all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking these guys are walking up to your door with cash money. Cash money. I mean, green stuff. And the average place that they go, the people are in their 70s or their 80s, and they have got stuff stacked everywhere. And you see Mike and Frank, and they're climbing over boxes and falling through and reaching for things. And what, what do you think this is worth? And the guy said, oh, I forgot I had that. So well, what would you take for it? I don't think I could give it up right now. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to get rid of some things. I've collected a lot of stuff. I'm trying to get rid of some things. Well, well, look, you got six of these right here. Yep, yep, yep. How much would you take for two of them? Would you take $250? And I'm thinking, I wouldn't give them $2.50. No, no, probably take about $700 for me to let go of that. And I'm thinking, man, I can go down to the garbage dump and find one of those things and, and just pick it out and clean it up. 
You, know, you see these guys are collecting thousands of oil cans. And what are they doing? They're preparing for the, when the earth burns? I mean, what, you know, what are they doing with it? And I, the thing I noticed about this is it's immediate. When they show up at a house, either somebody is willing to sell. Yep, I can part with that. Yep, yep, do away with that. Yep, I can do with that. How much you offer? Okay, it's a deal. And, and, and Mike always says, thanks, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you. And I'm thinking he is figuring out how to take somebody else's stuff and sell it to somebody else that's going to have stuff so he can just get it through his hands. I still want to go to his place in Nashville. I think that would be fascinating to look at. But I, I love to watch that show. But I wonder, at what point did the kids not sit down with the parents and say, you've got to stop buying stuff because it's too much. You, you, you've got a problem. You're buying too much stuff. You need to get rid of some stuff. And it's made me think through what I keep. And so now I'm just dumping stuff on staff members. I'm just, <laughs> I get it out of my office, put it in their office. Their problem, not mine. <laughs> you, you see, more is not merrier. In fact, sometimes more can, can lead to, to misery. Jesus does something in this parable that he doesn't do anywhere else and with anybody else. He calls the man in this parable a fool. It is amazing to me the people that Jesus encountered that he did not call a fool, but he called this man a fool. And so if, if a man is doing something that merits the Son of God saying, that's foolish, man, that is just foolish, then we ought to see what it is. Here's why. Because God expects us to handle success in a biblical way. Our stuff, our lives, our possessions, our goods, our health, whatever it is, whatever God has blessed us with, he expects us to handle it in a biblical way, and this man did not. And so Jesus calls him a fool. Now, this parable is about material things. And I am fully aware that anytime any sermon anywhere ever speaks to tithing or possessions or material things or investing or anything like that, there are always people that bow up. I, I love it when I hear people say, well, I invited somebody to come to church, but all Pastor Cat ever does is talk about tithing. I said, well, first of all, you hadn't been to church much because I, I don't talk about it that much. Uh, I assume that we're going to be obedient to what God says. And when I need to talk about it, I talk about it. But it, it is an issue that you cannot avoid in the Christian life is how we handle our possessions. So it might be wise to see who a fool is in the eyes of God. So let's pick up in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who appointed me to judge or arbitrate over you? Then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man was very productive. And began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do? since I have no place to store my crops. 
Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, God never wastes words. God never wastes stories, and he never wastes words. So he continues in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this man who said, I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? For as the man who stores up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. Here's the application. And he said to his disciples, for this reason, I say to you, don't be like this guy. Don't worry about your life as to what you will eat. Some of us are already there right now thinking about lunch. Nor for your body. Some of us are thinking, I can't move like I used to could. As to what you will put on, oh, I wore that last week. I can't wear it this week. Somebody will notice it. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you that even Solomon... In all his glory, clothed himself, could not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all, all, not some, all these things, the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Jesus is trying to tell these people, get the big picture and God will take care of the details. So here's what Jesus does. He warns his disciples about the sin of coveting about the sin of coveting, of, of greed, and of wanting more. He gave them a parable of a rich fool. Now, we don't know if this would have been a story that may have been familiar or just a parable that Jesus made up to illustrate the point. It could have been something that had actually happened. A man was building bigger barns, and, and that night he died. He encouraged them not to worry about stuff, but to trust in God. Now, if the parable of the Good Samaritan is the most practical parable, then this one is the most necessary one. The word fool here means foolish or lacking common sense, lacking the ability to discern. The foolish person is the one who does not take spiritual matters into account. He only looks at life with the five senses. And so let's interpret it. This man interrupts Jesus and he wants him to arbitrate a will. My favorite line about a will is from Warren Wiersbe. Where there is a will, there are relatives. 
Where there's a will, there's always somebody to arbitrate, to read it, and to execute it, and to carry it out that has power of attorney. This man wanted Jesus to exercise power of attorney. He wanted him to arbitrate the will. And Jesus said, look, I didn't come here to arbitrate your will. I came here to take over your life. So let's talk about the bigger picture. Leon Morris says, Jesus came to bring men to God, not property to men. Jesus came to bring men to God, not property to men. Now, here's one of the things we need to understand. If we only look to Jesus to solve our problems, then he can't change our hearts. But when we look to Jesus to change our hearts, he can help us with our problems. You see, our problems are really heart issues. Do we trust God with our heart? Do we trust God with our lives? Do we trust God with our stuff? And Jesus turns to the crowd. This man is asking a question. Choose between me and my brother. And Jesus says, beware. Watch out. Be on guard. Make sure you understand what I'm saying. Beware. Don't be guilty of any form of greed. All types of greed. And greed can be a lot of things. Greed can lead to extortion, to coveting, to hoarding. It can lead to all kinds of stuff. Here's what this verse says in the message paraphrase. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. It is said that Rockefeller was asked how much money was enough. He was one of the richest men in the world at the time he was asked the question. And he said, just a little more. Just a little more. It seems we're never happy with what we have. The New Living says life is not measured by how much you own. Now Jesus has just spoken and he did it at the Sermon on the Mount. He's just spoken about don't worry about what you wear. I don't know, does this make me look, does black make me look slimmer? I mean, I'm just wondering. Does a turn this way, does that make me... Don't, don't worry about what you wear. What's the last thing you do typically when you leave the house? You look in the mirror. How's this look? I'm doing all right. Doing okay? Everybody all right? Don't worry about what you wear. Why? Because it's going to be out of style next week anyway. You said don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about the hairs on your head. Don't worry about these things. Don't be preoccupied with things that won't matter when you're gone. Be preoccupied with the eternal. This man was totally ignoring his accountability to God for how he used his life. It is amazing that Jesus didn't call some people foolish, but he called this particular man in this parable foolish. Why? Because he was greedy, because he was hoarding, because he was coveting, because he just wanted more, and he wanted to live life on his own terms and by his own means and wanted to eat, drink, and be merry. You see, that's not about an amount. That's about an attitude. You see, hoarding and coveting and greed has nothing to do with an amount of money. It it doesn't matter how many zeros are on it. It has to do with our attitude. And there are three different words in Greek for greed. One is a passionate desire. A passionate desire. 
I could be greedy, I have a passionate desire. I'm going to get that no matter what. Second is to have more, to have more. And the third is the love of silver, the love of silver. Paul said in Colossians 3.5, greed is idolatry. Paul also said, be on your guard against every form of greed. You see, greed and coveting and hoarding is not a wallet problem, it's a heart problem. It's not how much, it's how we're thinking and how we're applying. All this man cared about was more stuff. He never thought about the kingdom. He never thought about investing in something that would last beyond his life in eternity. And so Jesus uses this story for this man that's trying to make sure he gets the most out of his inheritance that he can get. He uses this story and says, avoid every form of greed or coveting. Remember, coveting is why we all have a fallen nature. Because Adam and Eve saw the fruit that God said, don't touch. One thing God said, don't touch. And they ate it. They saw, they coveted, they took. Achan, God had said everything in, in uh, Jericho was to be set aside for him. Jericho was the first fruit of the land. So the first fruits were always to be given to God. That's what the law had taught. And so when they went to Jericho, they were to keep nothing for themselves. It was to be given to God. It was under the ban. And Achan saw some stuff he wanted. He saw some clothes. And he saw some stuff. And he took it and he went and hid it in his tent. It cost him and his family and many others their lives because of greed for coveting. Achan, when he was confronted by Joshua, said, I saw, I coveted, and I took. It cost David hardship in his family because he saw another woman and he saw her and he looked at her, he coveted her and he took her and it led him to commit adultery, but not just that, to commit murder. Jesus always tells us to look at the big picture. So here's the illustration. Everything's on the upswing with this guy. I mean, the stock market's up. Crops are up, everything's up, everything's going well. I mean, the weather has cooperated perfectly. So what he says is, you know, I'm going to build bigger barns. I've got so much stuff, I'm going to build bigger barns. But if you look at what he said, he began reasoning with himself. He didn't seek wise counsel. He didn't pray. He didn't ask himself any hard questions. He just decided on his own, I'm going to do this. Apparently, in the parable, he didn't ask his wife. He didn't ask his kids. He didn't ask anybody. He just did what he wanted to do. He formulated this idea for bigger barns on his own. Just take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But the one thing he could not predict was the future. He couldn't predict what the next day would hold. Now, what made him a fool? Let me tell you what he didn't do. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead. There's nothing wrong with being a steward and planning ahead. Uh, he was being a good businessman. He was thinking about his business and about his investments. He hadn't stolen anything. He had not failed to pay the people that had worked for him to help him acquire this wealth. What was wrong is he never brought God into view and never took eternity into consideration. Six times he uses I, five times he uses my. He forgot 
that God is creator and sustainer. He forgot that God is the one that gives us the ability to make a living. He forgot that God was his source. Here's what he did think. He thought a man is defined by what he has, not by who he is. And we are not defined by what we have. We're defined by who we are in Christ. He forgot to distinguish, verse 15, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. That word consist in verse 15 means for not even when one has an abundance is his life held together or made complete by his possessions. That's what that word means. That our stuff is not what makes us complete. Our stuff is not what holds us together. Oswald Chambers said, all of our fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. In the volatile world in which we live, success in some ways is like a balloon in a preschool room full of kids with pins. It's just going to pop at some point. I mean, you can watch the stock market all you want. I want to tell you at some point it's going to go down. That's just reality. That's just life. I mean, you're not going to live long enough to say the stock market is now at 195000 and it has never gone down, and I've got more money. It's not going to happen. It's going to go down. There's going to be a recession. It's going to happen. That's cyclical. It's life. It's what happens. Listen, we're one crisis away from a financial crisis in America. We're one crisis away. And we're foolish if we live as if what we have, we're always going to have. And our stuff we can always keep. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is evil. And he, Jesus calls him a fool. Why? Because he's unprepared and he's unrealistic. David Gooding said, Heaven is scarcely a reality to a man who is not prepared to invest hard cash in it and in its interests. But by the same token, it becomes more of a reality to the man who is. You see, the key is where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If my treasure is in the bank, then I'm going to drive by every day and make sure it hasn't been robbed. My treasure's in the stock market, I'm going to watch it every day. If my treasure's in my retirement fund, I'm going to check it all the time. But nothing I do in going by the bank, looking at the stock market, or doing any of those things, can I change anything about what might happen? I can't change that. What I can do is make sure that I've invested in the kingdom, that my heart is in the kingdom, that my treasure's are in heaven because that's the only place where I can make an investment and draw interest for eternity is in glory. Jesus wants us to think about the kingdom and about eternity. So here's one of the reasons why, and you know, people always want to argue whether tithing is um, New Testament or Old Testament. I think it's both. And in fact, the tithe for the Jews was 30%. So if all you want to do is tithe, that's fine. Because for a Jew to tie was 30%. Baptists think it's 10, just because they hadn't read their Bibles. But 
Here's why God emphasizes tithing. Think about it. Put yourself in the pages of Scripture. The people that came to worship God, whether it was in the tabernacle or in a synagogue or at the temple, they always, 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 say always, always brought an offering. Nobody ever showed up for worship in the Old Testament or the New Testament without an offering. Nobody. You brought your lamb, you brought your dove, you brought your sacrifice, you brought your coin, you brought whatever it was, and you gave it to the Lord. Now, here's what was unique about that. To bring your offering, to bring your tithe to the Lord meant you were bringing it and sitting under the singing, the worship, and the preaching of the word. So you weren't mailing it in. You were bringing it, and in bringing it, you had to sit there and know that I have brought a sacrifice to a God that I'm now willing to sing about, and I'm willing to listen to the scriptures and see what he says to me. So it put people under the word. So every child, every young person, every adult would bring their gifts, and then they would sing, and they would worship, and the offering was a part of their worship. God put them in a situation where they would listen to the word by obeying what he said about first fruits. Now, here's what's important about that. God, since the beginning, since Genesis, since the beginning, has always, always reserved something for himself in the physical realm to remind us that he is sovereign and in control. Always. You say, well, I, I don't see that in the Bible. What was in the garden? A tree. Don't eat it. It's mine. There's a land. There were cities where you could go for refuge. There's a day, the Sabbath, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why? Because left to ourselves, we'll work seven days a week. We'll just work, work, work. Especially men, especially uh, high A personality men. We'll just work, work, work all the time. And God reserved a day for himself to say, there's one day a week that you're going to stop and remember that I am your God. By the way, if, if you think you don't need the Sabbath, then why did God take one? Because all he had to do to create was to speak into existence. He didn't have to lift a finger. God reserved a Sabbath. He reserved the tithe, the first fruits. By the way, the firstborn was reserved for God. All were reserved for God. The land was to rest every certain number of years so that they would trust God that the crops came not because they were great farmers. The crops came because God saw to it that they had what they needed. So God always reserves something for himself. So there's some warnings if we want to be wise, and I'm going to give them to you very quickly. Number one, if you don't want to be a fool, remember his blessings. Remember his blessings. Deuteronomy 6. Don't get into the land and forget that all that is there is because God blessed you. He talks to them about houses that you didn't build, land that you 
didn't plow, you're going to get all these things in this land of promise. Remember his blessings. And if you're not careful, if you don't daily and constantly remember God's blessings, all you'll start to remember is the things that didn't go the way you wanted them to. But he's still a God who blesses. Secondly, reject the subtle temptations of the world system. Reject the subtle temptations of the world system. The world's always saying, here's a quick way to get money. Here's a quick way to get an answer. And, and, and you, want, you, you go into a gas station and watch how many people are scratching off lottery tickets and their kids are scratching to find something to eat. Oh, that's going to make us wealthy. No, it's going to bring out those relatives that are looking for your will. That's what it's going to bring out. Reject what the world says. Thirdly, reject the inclination to be greedy. Reject the inclination to be greedy. Here's why. Because if I'm not inclined to be greedy, then I'm inclined to be a giver and to be gracious. Uh, I, I, I had never done this, but I've started doing it in, in recent years. Uh, I was with uh, Tom Elliff one time, and, and if, if you're ever with Tom Elliff or you were with Ron Dunn, at some point you're going to end up at Sonic. <laughs> Just the way life goes. I mean, you're going to end up at Sonic. And I, and I always notice that Tom, when he'd go to Sonic, he'd go through the drive-thru, not... And it say, well, it's $11.37. And, 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 you know, usually I'd sit down and count out 37, 31, 32, 33, counting out the pennies in my little bag I keep in my car. And then Tom said, give him $15, said, just keep the change. And you see the people's eyes light up. I mean, they're working for minimal money. And you see them light up or say, hey, apply this to the person behind me. And so now... A lot of times when I go through a drive-thru, I'll just say, hey, let's keep the change. What they do with it is their business. But I want them to remember somebody went through that drive-thru that was gracious, not greedy. Number four, remember to take an accurate inventory. Remember to take an accurate inventory. Jim Elliott put it this way. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I, I'm going to be honest with you. There was a time early in our marriage, somebody convinced us to put some money in this scheme that was going to help us. You know, we're going to be on the ground floor and it, we're going to build up. And All I did was lose money. But you know, not one dollar I've ever given to the kingdom have I ever lost. Not one. Not one investment I've ever made in missions. Not one investment I've ever made in this church. Not one investment I've ever made in meet the need or love offering. Not one. I've never lost a penny. Not a penny. I've lost money that I thought I had in my pocket. But what I've given to God, I've never lost. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain 
what he cannot lose.